Alrighty. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. If this is your first time here to the 8th, I do want to give you a special welcome and kind of remind all of us and to give like a, a very high-level introduction to what is the 8th. Here at St. Mark Church, we hold two main services on Sundays, the Divine Liturgy, which is a very ancient and rich form of worship, which invites us to abide in God through his body and blood. And then we have the eight, which is our second service, which is more contemporary, more of a casual setting. It's still rooted in first century Christianity, but allows us to rethink through aspects of our lives and makes us better at life. And the, hence, the name of, of, of the eight is titled the eight. The name of our second service is titled the eight because the number eight reflects a new start, a new beginning. This is why our tagline at the eight is titled, A Place to Renew and Reset Life. We structure the, the, the calendar and the weeks seven days in a week. Number eight would be a new beginning, a new beginning, a day of a new week. So eight reflects a new start, a new beginning. So this is why for us, the eight allows us to renew ourselves, to rethink things, and ultimately to reset ourselves to know our ultimate purpose and design, which comes from above. We are starting a three-part series today titled, No Excuses, and the subtitle being, Nor Justification. But before we jump into that, your question for today for on your name tag, hopefully many, all of you did that, some of you didn't, shame. But anyway, the two questions is this. How much did a 30-second commercial cost in 1967? And then the other question, how much does a 30-second commercial cost now? So I, you know, I should have already done Super Bowl, all right? You know, happy Super Bowl Sunday, okay? So, four, a Super Bowl Sunday commercial in 1967. Any guesses? 20,000, 30,000? I feel like I'm on The Price is Right. Anybody else? I feel like I'm at an auction. Do I hear uh, 40,000? Huh? What did you say, Henny? 40,000. Very good. Yeah, good job. So your prize um, is nothing, but that was good. So 40,000. The second question, how much does a 30-second commercial cost now? Oh, man. (laughs) I did my PowerPoint wrong. I forgot. (laughs) Sorry, that's my bad. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Well, there you go. Okay, so six, six and a half million. Anybody get that on? They spot on? Yeah? You Googled it. I know you did. I'm playing. I'm playing. playing. So, okay, yeah, that's uh, quite, you know, we talk about inflation now, man. What is is that inflation? That's crazy. So, anyway, today is a big day as we are celebrating a national holiday, Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, There is a big game. Anybody know who these two people are, by the way? Who who are they? Tino Sotelo. Joe Burrow. So, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, actually, I graduated with him from University of Georgia. We graduated the same year, but we, we definitely went on different paths in life. Um, he's in Los Angeles right now. I'm in Atlanta. But, uh, yeah, he is a UGA graduate. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, something that's going to happen today around 11, 12, midnight, there's going to be a press conference in which these two people will be at a table, and there will be tons of media outlets there to interview them and ask them tons of questions. One of these two gentlemen, Matthew Stafford, Joe Burrow, one of them, probably, probably, most likely, Joe Burrow, is going to have a question where he's going to hear the question of like, you know, what happened? How come you guys lost the game? You know, wh- wh- how, did, how did things like get to that point? You know? And his response, which is, is most likely going to be, I take responsibility. You know what? I didn't play, I didn't play my best I could today. 
it, I, I take full responsibility. It's not the offensive line. It's not the defense. It's not the special teams. I take full responsibility. I, I, I didn't show up on the biggest game of my life. I take responsibility. Most likely he will say that. But maybe inside of him, he wants to blame the coach, the defense. He wants to blame anybody else of why they lost as opposed to taking responsibility. I love watching press conferences for games, for, for sports, because you, I love to see how they take ownership of their loss. Most of them will take ownership, but some of them will say, Man, if the ref called that, that play right, we wouldn't be in this position. We'd have won if the, play, if the ref opened his eyes and saw that. We would have won, you know, if, if you know, my teammate, whatever, wasn't, you know, you, you hear them make excuses over and over again. So most likely, one of them is going to say, I take responsibility for the loss. But internally, he's probably thinking of all the reasons why they lost, and it definitely was not him. He wants to blame other people, and you and I can relate to that. We are creative human beings. If anything you get out of this three-part series, I want you to know that you are beautifully created to be a creative human being. We have an, imagine, an unbelievable imagination. We are so creative of creating the most amazing things in this world. I mean, think about this. Try to, I don't have my phone. That's my phone. But imagine taking a phone and explaining it to, like, somebody 100 years ago. What do you begin? Like, literally. How do you begin to explain what the phone is to someone 100 years ago? We are so creative as human beings to create the most amazing things. Something else we're very creative about is to create excuses. We are so amazing at creating excuses. But we don't want to say excuses, right? We dress it up. We, like, you know, we don't want to use the word excuse, right? None of us will say, well, my excuses of why I'm lame is this, or my excuse of why I'm bad at this. We don't use the word excuse. What's another term that we use instead of saying my ex the excuse? The reason is, the reason why I'm like this is because my wife did it. Well, my reason, the reason why I, I'm like this is because of my upbringing. The reason I'm like this is because of my dad. The reason I'm like this is because of my boss. The reason I'm like this is because of the president. The reason, the reason I'm like this is because of the new policies that were put in place. The reason why I'm having this financial issue is because whatever my, so forth and so on, right? We don't use the word excuse. We use the word reason. And we even dress it up even more because why? We're creative. What do we say? Well, the reason is, and the reason why I'm doing this is because. Don't we love the word because? We can convince, maybe not other people, but we definitely convince ourselves. To, not, to, to, to avoid the excuse, we dress it up. The real reason is this. Here's my, we, 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 we justify ourselves and we are so good at that. The reason why I'm, I don't have time to go to church, the reason I don't have time is because I'm busy. i got a lot going on. I have a deadline coming up. That's the real reason, right? We don't give excuses, right? That shows weakness. But we love to say the word reason, and then we dress it up even more by using a very famous word, which I guess now becomes like a full sentence for many of us, because, right? We just say because, and we begin to justify ourselves. We try to convince ourselves and we try to fool ourselves, and we portray that out to other people. Well, here's the real reason why I'm like this, and it's because of this, right? We don't want to say excuses. We try to fool others, but you and I can see it in other people so clearly. We can see it when someone else is trying to make excuses, right? What do you and I say to that other person? You're just making excuses. You're being so creative of making excuses. Why don't you just own up? Why don't you just man up and just admit that you're wrong? 
Just admit that you're lazy. Admit that you have poor financial management skills. Just admit that you want to do other things and you don't want to do this. Just admit it. Don't stop making excuses. We can see it in other people, but the question is, do we see it in ourselves? <laughs> for me, I definitely see it in my five-year-old kid. I can, like, she has a response for every little thing. Like, why, why didn't you brush your teeth? Well, you know what, the, the sink is too high. The, the sink wasn't too high yesterday. Why is it all of a sudden too high? We see it, it's embedded within us. It's part of our brokenness. We are so creative of making excuses, but we do not like the word excuses. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about excuses, right? We don't talk about excuses. We use the word, the reason is this, the reason is that. So I know this is cheesy, but I want you to do it along with me. I want you to say, instead of saying, well, the reason is, I want you to say, my excuse is. So say it after me. My excuse is. Doesn't it feel more liberating to say my excuse is as opposed to, well, the reason is. So I, imagine, imagine if in our marriage conflicts, our issues at home, our issues at work, issues with other family members, relationships, imagine if you and I said, well, let me just say this. My excuse is this. Imagine, imagine what would happen. All of a sudden, everyone's fighting like this, right? Well, the reason is because you did this and you did that and you never do that. And why do you like shift the culture of the whole argument? You say, well, my excuse is this. Everyone's going to be like, what in the world? Why do you say my excuse? Imagine what it would change in, 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 in deflating conflict and tension if our language became, my excuse is this. I'm trying to fool you. I'm trying to fool myself. But really, this is my excuse. This entire series this three-part series, is coming from language that is embedded or found in this ancient prayer book titled the Egbeya. And the Egbeya is a Coptic word, meaning the, the, the book of hours or the prayer book of hours. And embedded in it, it's broken down into various segments or they titled hours. And the church throughout the centuries is encouraging us to focus on different things and different elements of our spirituality at different times of the day. Because when you and I pray, man, we don't know what to pray for. We pray for, you know, for me, I pray for Matthew Stafford to win tonight, right? We pray for, like, selfish things. We want certain things for ourselves, right? But when the church says, hey, I got you. Like, don't feel like you, like, I, I know you and I struggle with prayer. Let's do this together. And the church holds our hand by guiding us, giving us, like, you know, handles of how to pray through this prayer book. And something that we pray in the sixth hour, the midday segment of this, of this ancient prayer book, we say these words, we have no favor, we got no excuse, we got no justification because of our many sins. We have no favor, nor excuse, nor justification because of our many sins. The church basically just says, rip off all those reasons and your creativity and your excuses, like rip all that out. And let's get to the core of our soul. And let's say, really, I got no excuse for this sin. I got no excuse nor justification of why I'm like this. I need to stop blaming others. I got to own up. I got to man up to the reasons of why I'm like this. Here, I need to get away with all the excuses. Here's the real reason why I struggle. So the church is encouraging us uh, by giving us this language, saying we have no favor, nor excuse, nor justification. The core of an excuse, oh sorry, let's go through my current list of excuses and justification. The current list of excuses that you and I have ready, right? We have it on the tip of our tongue. The real reason why I'm not doing this, real reason why I struggle with this, here, here's the reason, right? We, the, or the excuse. Here's, the, we, here's our list of where our excuses can be applied to. Our behavior, 
The reason why I behave like this is because of this, right? The reason why I'm reacting like this is because you did this. The reason why I'm overreacting is because you did that, right? The reason why I procrastinate is because I got this thing going on. The reason why I'm neglecting, the reason why I'm avoiding this, right? We have all these different reasons to, uh, that we are uh, at the tip of our tongue. We have a reason to, to give for every little thing, a reason for our spouse, friend, family member, boss. We have a reason, right? And then we, we decorate our excuses so well. But the core of an excuse, the core of an excuse is blaming something internal on something external. The core of an excuse, I got an issue inside, but instead of me looking inside, I'd rather cover it up and then just point my finger at my spouse, at my friend, at my kids, at my upbringing, at my parents, at my whatever. It's easier for me to do that, right? So an excuse, the essence of what an excuse, I got, I'm off balance internally, but I want to blame it on something external. I feel like that relieves some tension off of me. Whew, it's not me. I'm not the one with the issue. She's the one with the issue. I'm not the one with the problem. It's, it's her, right? That, that, that's our reasoning. And we end up pointing at others, and we begin to apply our excuses and justifications for all these different reasons. And all of a sudden, your excuses and our justifications become our king, become our Lord. And we end up worshiping all the excuses, the, the creative sentences that you and I put together to, to manage conflicts. We, we, that becomes, that's whom we worship. We end up worshiping our excuses so well because we've, we've mastered the art of creativity. We've mastered the art of deception, not only for ourselves, but, but for those around us. What I want to share with you is something that St. Paul, an, or a first century Christian missionary, is wanting to tell a group of Christian converts. And they are kind of struggling with excuses and laziness. So he's writing this thing to them. He writes them this. He says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let's pause right there. He's like, since we are surrounded by so great role models around us of what it means to be a, a man of God, to pursue Jesus. Since we're surrounded by these role models around us. And before I go any further, I'm wanting to highlight this. I'm wanting to pause and call time out right now for this. is to remind us. This is why the first century church makes a big deal about saints and martyrs and church fathers and those who have come before us. Not for us to worship them, but for us to look at them as them being a cloud of witnesses that we want to emulate them. Just as they were an icon of Christ, we want to follow in their footsteps as well. So we're not there to worship them. We're there to honor them and say, okay, you know, their brokenness, their issues, they came and leaned toward God. They went all into following Jesus you know what, they're not that much different than me. They got their own struggles. I have struggles too. So I'm wanting to ask for their prayers. I'm wanting to lean on them. I'm wanting to see how did they push through their issues? How did they push through their excuses in order to be all in to God and really open up their hearts to him? So St. Paul's beginning of this. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, and so we have so many great examples around us of what it means to emulate Jesus, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. He's saying, let us throw off everything that hinders us. You know what hinders you and me? Excuses. We give excuses for everything. That hinders us from growing. Because then I become complacent. I say, it's not my fault. It's, it, it's, it's, it's him. It's her. It's them. So I, I have excuses for every aspect of my life that is flawed. So th that's hindering me. That's preventing me from growing. Because I, I, I can't say I take responsibility. I'm the one saying, no, it's not my fault. Just like I said, tonight, one of those quarterbacks is going to say, I I'm the MVP. 
What are you talking about? It's the defensive line. If they did their part, if we did better of drafting better players on the offseason, we would have won the Super Bowl, right? They're going to blame everyone else except themselves. For those in the sports, we heard this from, from uh, Dak Prescott, the Cowboys, right? When they lost in the, in the playoffs, what was the, what was the first thing Dak said? It's the, it's the referee's fault. It's, it's not us. The referee, the referee missed that call. That's why we didn't make it. That's why we didn't win. It's not a sports thing. It's a game that we play with ourselves. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. He's trying to, he gives him this beautiful analogy. St. Paul, something about him in athletics, he gives so many great analogies involving running. He said, we got, we got a marathon in front of us. We got to persevere, man. This is not just, I'm a Christian and click the box and you're good to go. No, let's persevere. Let's push through. But let's, let's remove the chains and the luggage that we're carrying unnecessarily on our back. That stuff is hindering us. That stuff is preventing us. That stuff is inviting us to a mindset of victimization. I'm the victim. I'm the one uh, that it's all their fault, not me. It's his fault. It's her fault. It's everyone else. And we are so creative with our excuses. But St. Paul's encouraging us, let us run with perseverance, but let's remove the entanglement. I love the, the imagery that he's, that he's drawing up. Let's remove all the tangles that is, that is tying us down and preventing us from running further and faster. Let me introduce you to the cousin of excuses. So, so, uh, so, so excuses has, has a first cousin. His name is titled lying. Okay? Lying is, is a relative to excuses. And you and I are tempted to lie, to, to deceive ourselves, and to deceive others. We tell five-year-olds, I tell my daughter, no, lying is bad, okay? We don't, we don't lie. But let, let's, let's kind of make this, make this a grown-up talk. Why is lying bad? Don't say the Bible tells me so, okay? Don't just because the Bible says lying, that's why you don't lie. What, 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 what's the essence of lying? It's severing a relationship. When there's a lie that is being told, it is cutting off the relationship. There, the trust has been abolished. There now has been a rip in the, in the relationship. So lying now becomes my master in deception, and I've cut off relationships. I have lost trust because of lying. And it, it's not just, there's no such thing as a white lie and small lie. It, once that disease is within us, we begin to deceive ourselves. We don't know what truth is. We end up lying to everyone just so I can begin to tell myself a false narrative but convince myself it is a true narrative. It builds a wall around me. Lying builds a wall around me. I tell a lie to others. I convince myself that's the truth, and I begin to build a lie. I begin to build a wall around me in which I'm unable to have any vulnerable conversations. And then on top of that, the excuses lead to lying. Lying builds a wall. And that ultimately leads to something titled confirmation bias. I believe one thing, that my spouse is the issue. It's my boss is the issue. It's my parents is the issue. It's my upbringing is the issue. It's the president's fault. So forth, and, I, and I begin to blame them. And then what, what, to, to me to confirm this, what do I end up doing? I'm going to watch certain things that convince me of the continue to solidify this truth. I'm going to listen to podcasts that continue to cement. I'm not the issue. It's them. I'm going to continue to listen and to hear and surround myself with people who confirm what I already want to believe. That leads to a confirmation bias. This is why the power of the church is pivotal for our edification. 
And when we come and pray individually and communally, there is no excuse nor justification because of my many sins. The rhythm of those words becoming embedded into the language of my heart. I got no excuse. I got no justification. I want to say it's not my fault. I did my part. That's her fault. I want to say that. I want to go to town with that narrative. It relieves some of that guilt and shame within me. I would love to. I got no excuse. I got no justification for my many sins. I'm missing the mark. I'm missing the mark on him. I got no excuse. I got no justification. When that language, that introspective language, becomes embedded into the fabric of who I am, this is what cleanses me. This is what renews me and resets me. When that becomes embedded within me. Those who fall into mastering excuses and mastering lying, mastering deception, they end up lying to themselves. You and I both know we don't want to be around people like that. But the question is, are we falling into that trap ourselves? You and I don't want to be friends with people like that. We can see it in others. But do we see it within ourselves? This sin of missing the mark this sin of deception, of excuses, and justification that we give ourselves for what we think is right to make ourselves look good, it's cutting our relationships. It's damaging our relationships. Maybe through this series and us praying through this series and maybe, maybe give this book a shot. We got plenty in the connection table. Give it a shot. See what happens when we remove wall by wall, brick by brick, of the hardening of our heart, of the excuses and justification we give. Imagine in how we manage conflict that we said, here's my excuse. I can't, I need to stop saying it's my reason. Here's my excuse. I'm running away from the truth. Here's really my excuse. Imagine the power that will happen within us and our relationships. There's a church father by the name of St. Ignatius of Antioch in the year 98 A.D., 98 A.D., we're literally talking about 60 years after Jesus rose from the dead. He said these words. It is profitable that you should live in an unblameable unity. It is profitable, profitable that you should live in an unblameable unity. You know what unblameable, I know it's a word we don't hear. Like, I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm only going to blame myself. I'm desiring unity in which I don't blame anybody else. I take ownership. I'm, I'm not going to blame anybody else. It is profitable that you should live in an unblameable unity, that thus you may always enjoy communion with God. You are here, you are listening to this because you desire to have communion with something more than the temporary things of this world. You yearn to have communion with your heavenly Father. But the chain, the luggage, the excess baggage that we end up carrying on this run that we call life is giving excuses and giving reasons and justification for what we think is right. But let this series and, and let our prayer, especially this week and moving forward, be, Lord, there is no excuse nor justification because of my mindset. No excuse nor justification because of my behavior. There is no excuse nor justification for my reaction. And I'm going to take ownership. Cool? Let's stand for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, there is no excuse. There is no justification for our weakness. 
for our issues. But Lord, we come to you with our excuses, with our pain, and wanting you being the true light to shine within the darkness within us and for us to step up and for us to take ownership of our struggles and our issues and to stop blaming others and for us to find unity with ourselves, to find unity with you and for us to find unity with others. But it has to begin within us. Lord, I thank you for, for giving us this message and I pray that through this series, it is not just words or a talk, but it becomes action in our lives and in our relationships. Through the prayers of all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, guys. Uh, enjoy the week. Enjoy the Super Bowl.